welcome to the Staying Ageless podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, I am throwing it back to a clubhouse conversation with some amazing doctor friends where we discuss libido, fertility, and sexual health. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to share a portion of the clubhouse talk where myself and a group of panelists discussed how to improve libido, fertility, and sexual health from a holistic perspective, and how diet, lifestyle, and supplementation can enhance our sex life, our desire for sex, the act of conception, and the health outcomes of our children. We've been on break. Y'all know I've been MIA. Um, I've been going between Freetown, Sierra Leone and the USA and going through a life transition, but I am back and I'm working on the next season. So stay tuned. I would also love to get your feedback. If you have any ideas for the next season, season five of staying ageless, whether it be people I should interview or topics you would like to see covered, email me at rawgirlassistant at gmail.com. In other amazing news, Staying Ageless 30 Plus is back and in full effect. And this is my signature program. We are starting on February 20th. Um, My signature program, Staying Ageless 30 Plus, is designed to activate dynamic women like you to establish lasting rituals that radically transform your overall health, beauty, and energy so that you can have the bandwidth to live your best life professionally and personally in 60 days or less, honey. The course is for you if you are a woman 30 plus who wants to be fly until you're 99 or close to it, needs to learn how to create life-giving healthy rituals that leave you feeling and looking better than ever, wants to fast track and hone in on the best diet and exercise to get results for your body, or if you need to refocus on self-care and prioritizing your health. We combine group and one-on-one coaching to get you results, and this year we're adding DNA testing again to the mix to help each woman understand what foods may be best for her specific genetic profile. Women who have taken my program have lost 25 to 30 pounds, reversed hypertension, reversed prediabetes, improved their overall health and energy, achieved glowing skin, got off of their medications, and much, much more. I'll be posting some conversations with past students in the next couple weeks, so stay tuned. If you are interested in applying and a chatting with me or a member of my team to see if it's the right fit, visit my website, therawgirl.com to sign up for a call. Or if you're ready to join us because you only got one week left, child, visit stayingagelessuniversity.com and sign up. I hope to see you in class. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning into the show from all over the world. While you are waiting for me to get it together with season five, please go on back and listen to some past episodes and share them with your friends and family if you think they can benefit. I appreciate you all. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. Today on the show, I'm excited to share this clubhouse talk with you in case you missed it. The panelists include myself, Chasita Giles, and Dr. Columbus Batiste. Chasita Giles is an awesome journalist whose work has been published in the New York Times, LA Times, USA Today, Daily Beast, NPR, and more. Dr. Columbus Batiste is a board-certified interventional cardiologist and assistant clinical professor at the University of California Riverside School of Medicine. Dr. Batiste co-founded the Slave Food Project as a medium to educate communities at risk for health disparities about the power of plant-based nutrition and building community resilience. 
All right, we're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we'll dive right into the amazing discussion we had on Clubhouse. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms. If you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's clean starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and candida and parasites be gone for those who are ready to kick candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. Enrollment is now open for three of our programs and we officially launched January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. When I lived in LA, I was at the beach all of the time. (laughs) The beach was my happy place. After going to the beach, I would always stop by this amazing raw food restaurant. They had the most delicious food, burritos, cinnamon rolls. I was obsessed. Fast forward to this year when I wanted to give myself a jumpstart on raw, I discovered that this amazing restaurant that I used to frequent had transitioned to nationwide delivery of fully prepared raw meals. It's called Raw Evolution, and for 20 years, they've been serving the finest and most vibrant living foods meals. They offer a raw box, which includes two fresh pressed juices, four gourmet entrees, four generous sides, and two delicious low glycemic desserts. The raw box is designed to provide one person with about four to five days of lunches and dinners. I also love that the menu changes each week, so there's always lots of variety. I get a lot of inquiries from listeners and clients alike who want to go raw and feel like it's not sustainable time-wise. If this is you, this is an amazing solution to get your raw jumpstart. Head on over to rawvolution.com and use the code RAWGIRL to receive a discount on your first purchase. Well, thank you everybody for coming through. Um... We are going to do a Black Health Happy Hour. We're going to chat about libido, fertility, and sexual health. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. (laughs) And um, we want to say thank you to the Plant-Based Club for allowing us to host this event. Please follow them and also follow Lynette, the founder, and sign up for their app and their newsletter um, if you're looking for more health conversations. Um, I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach, and um, our moderator for this evening is Chasita Giles, and she is an awesome journalist whose work has been published in the New York Times, LA Times, US Today, Daily Beast, NPR, and more. Chasita, do you want to take it away? Sure. So I also uh, want to introduce Dr. Batiste, who is a board-certified interventional cardiologist and assistant clinical professor at the University of California, Riverside School of Medicine. 
Medicine. Dr. Catisse co-founded the Slave Food Project as a medium to educate communities at risk for health disparities about the power of plant-based nutrition and building community resilience. So Inis Sosa gave us a lovely introduction into who she is. So with that said, let's just jump into the conversation. So I thought a great way to start this conversation off would be to talk about how libido, fertility, and sexual health are interconnected, and then which parts are connected to diet. So whoever wants to start first, let's jump right in. Um, Dr. Batiz, you want to go? Yeah, sure. I'll jump in here. So listen, it's a pleasure to be on with both of you again. Uh, you guys are a wealth of knowledge, and it's always fun to get on uh, with you and have these discussions. But I love this with Black uh, Health Happy Hour, because that's really what it's about. It's about trying to improve our, our health and focus on the positives. And so one of the things that we know is that there is a link between fertility, between libido, and between sexual health. And to be honest with you, it stems from two, two avenues. One is hormones, and hormones are basically the means in which the body communicates and sends messengers back and forth. The other one, though, too, as well, which plays a huge and distinct role oftentimes, um, is nutrition. And through nutrition, it's the endothelium, and it's that vascular lining. And that's really kind of where my entry into this conversation really is, is about this interrelationship between the vascular system a degree of the hormones and also the nutrition, but they are so intertwined and that our lifestyle really inside of not only our mental outlook, our physical health, but really our sexual health as well. I love what you said, and I don't know if anyone in the audience was thinking this, but you you were speaking about men, you were talking about hormones and diet, so like, um, so men are affected, men are hormonal as well as women? Absolutely. So we we have hormones, we have testosterone, that our body is impacted by um, by what's happening with us. And hormones are not, a lot of times, you know, we think in this conversation, we're thinking hormones and we're thinking, okay, well, female hormones. Well, it's not, there's male sex hormones, but there's also other hormones. So insulin is a hormone, and your thyroid secretes a hormone too as well. And so all these hormones are really interconnected and they're interconnected once again by common knowledge, common pathways. We look at food, we look at outlook, and it plays really a role into how we function overall. Thank you. And then, so Isosa, do you want to continue uh, that as it relates to women, but also talk about some common issues that um, women might have. Yeah, so the for me, the link, I guess the very simple link between libido and fertility is libido would, your libido being low would be a sign that you were likely, less likely to be fertile. And, and this happens, so it's, the libido is almost like an external sign that something's going on, obviously, with your body. And but this happens naturally, like women in menopause have lower libido, but that's also because their progesterone levels are lower at that time and stuff like that. So our overall health, if we are generally healthy, I'm coming from the holistic nutrition perspective. If we're generally healthy and we're eating a great diet, have a great lifestyle, all that stuff our um, libido and our fertility should be in good places, but then we also have the life stages like menopause, like I just mentioned, 
that can also impact whether or not we have a sexual desire. Um, when it comes to women, there's so many issues. Um, there's so many issues that I see in my office and they kind of fall into, I always kind of separate them into two general tracks. I have the estrogen dominant issues, which include things like, um, horrible, um, periods, horrible, painful periods, um, endometriosis, fibroids. Um, I mean, there's more. And then on the other track, I, I, which is more an androgen dominance issue. Um, I see women with um, male pattern, um, male pattern baldness or hair loss. I see women with PCOS. I see women struggling with hair growth in place in places like they're getting mustaches or they're getting like excessive hair growth in that track. Um, um, I, and also, you know, cysts, uh, all of that on that track. So there's, there's so many ways that women are affected. And even when the, on the, on the estrogen dominant side, a lot of women who have taken birth control for really long periods of time also end up with not only with the fibroids, endometriosis, et cetera, but some of them also have issues with hair growth, which is a really big thing, especially for black women. People, people don't like messing with their hair, you know? So these, there's so many things connected. Okay. So Dr. Petit, same question. What are some common problems that then, may have when they have an imbalance in that system. Yeah, no, you know, one of the things that we see with, or I see personally, kind of taking care of patients, to be honest with you, is stress. And this stress hormone that really surges, and it, 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 it's an offshoot of obviously mental stress plays a substantial role in terms of a person's libido, number one. Um, and then we know it's ill effects in terms of disease that's out there, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and even profoundly, uh, a sin is a paramount that's there. As a result, as an offshoot of that, what ends up happening oftentimes is obviously poor nutrition that, that comes in place with that. So with men, oftentimes they're coming up with vascular issues when they when I see them many times. And whether or not they existed before or not. And so when they present with erectile dysfunction, uh, and to my office and they report that, I can't tell you. Last week I was in, in procedure lab uh, three days a week. And every single day, I would see the only sole risk factors that of, of erectile dysfunction. And what's so interesting about that, it's been dubbed the canary in the coal mine <laughs> because it's the one marker that really pretends and says that this person is at an increased risk of cardiovascular events over the, the ensuing years, that we know that they are likely to have a significant cardiovascular event because erectile dysfunction is indeed a vascular issue, not all the time, but a vast majority of erectile uh, function issues. Your audio keeps cutting out. Oh, no. I'm sorry. That's okay. I think we caught most of what you were saying. So now I want to talk about how we can address some of these issues with diet. So so, so if you want to go first, and then Dr. Batiste, if you want to step in on like how these issues are related to diet, Dr. Batiste, you were starting to get into that, I think, at the end of what you said. But how can we address some of these issues with the way that we feed our bodies? Well, I just wanted to add also, too, on the male side, um, I primarily see women now, but I did counsel like um, men and couples when I first started out as a nutritionist. And one thing I did notice about men, um, if obesity is definitely a, a factor and also like, you know, he's just talking about stress and it's exactly that, like 
So a lot of men with burnt out adrenals have an adrenal body type, which means they have a lot of additional fat stored around their major organs. And when you, when men have fat stored in that area, they're also, their testosterone level decreases and their estrogen levels are higher. And so that in itself is going to affect their ability to be fertile and their sexual desire. Um, so that's just one thing I wanted to point out. Um, diet wise, when it comes to dealing with the hormonal conditions in my office, when someone has like, either they've been on birth control forever, or they already have, you know, um, estrogen dominance issues. So they have fibroids, they have endometriosis, or they have PCOS, et cetera, et cetera. I, I am focused on restoring hormonal balance. And so I remove all hormonal inputs. And for a lot of women of color, especially, when I have an intake with them and I ask them what they used to grow up eating, they all say, oh my God, I loved dairy. I loved it. I had ice cream for breakfast, child. I used to drink milk daily. I had cereal <laughs> for every snack. It, it's, just, it's just interesting. So we get rid of dairy. We get rid of meat. And um, in general, I mean, there are some cases where I'm lenient and I say, okay, you could have wild caught fish or whatever, but I'm trying to remove the hormonal inputs because for a lot of these women, they're already imbalanced. Um, if they're on birth control, a lot of times I have to, um, I have to uh, wean them off of birth control, especially if they already have fibroids or they have endometriosis or some sort of serious condition, because again, that's another hormonal input. So diet-wise, I'm looking at where are the hormones coming from. Okay, I know they're coming from dairy. I know they're coming from meat. Um, I also look at other things that can affect hormones, sugar, big one. I have a lot of Hollywood clients who I have to like talk off the ledge and be like, please stop drinking alcohol while I'm trying to balance your hormones. Cause it's like a giant sugar carb bomb that is really going to mess with your hormones. So sugar is a big one. So I have to reduce the amounts of refined sugars that they're consuming. I also, um, I also get people off of um, caffeine and in order to get them off of caffeine, obviously you got to fix their sleep because if you don't fix their sleep, they're going to be upset, right? <laughs> Nobody wants to not have their coffee and still be tired. So, um, and the reason why we have to do that is because when you drink caffeine, when you drink coffee or if you're having excessive amounts of caffeine, um, progesterone is actually a precursor for cortisol. When you drink caffeine, your cortisol levels increase. And a lot of times if you're super stressed out and then you're also drinking all this coffee, your body is taking your progesterone and using it to make more cortisol. And that in itself will add to the estrogen dominance issues. So I have to get rid of caffeine. Um, and, then, and then stress management becomes really huge. So I'm looking at these hormonal inputs from the foods. I also look at hormonal inputs from beauty products. I look at xenoestrogens. Are they using plastic? Are they drinking out of plastic bottles all the time? Are they using a whole bunch of synthetic beauty products that have tons of hormone, you know, um, endocrine disruptors in them? I'm like, please get rid of that. Get rid of all of that stuff. Get rid of the dairy. Get rid of the meat. Um, get rid of the caffeine. Lower your sugar. All of that stuff is what I have to do when I'm trying to get someone back to one. So in order to stop some of these things from happening in the first place, it really does help to be very, very aware of, of all of the things in your diet that can lead to this imbalance so that you can be mindful in advance. Um, cause I feel like I'm kind of like 
you know, I'm in, I'm, when the people come to me, I'm, it's already the emergency room. So I have to remove everything. Um, but I do think that, you know, and we've talked about this before, especially dairy, especially with women of color, I really just don't think we should be consuming it from jump. And I also do think that um, we need to be more, there needs to be more discussions about the detrimental um, effects that birth control has on women as well. Thank you. That was, yeah. Um, Dr. Batiste, when it comes to men, like what are some ways that they can use diet to address some of the hormonal imbalances that men might have? Yeah, you know, just to build on what Selsa mentioned, because she was very thorough in, in her description, and it really applies to men too as well. Get this excessive uh, fat accumulation, and we know it's an epidemic in, in, in the country. One of the things we know is that the fat cells actually are very hormonally active. They actually produce the sex hormones, both female and male sex hormones, but they also can help uh, produce this, this sex hormone binding globule. And so when, what, one of the biggest problems is that it's excessive, uh, they inhibit this. So one of the, the problems in general is the fact that excessive fat is going to produce these hormones and is going to inhibit this sex hormone binding globulin, which is, think of it like it's, it's sequestering the, the sex hormones. So in that way, you're not having excessive amounts that can cause disruption. That's really the interplay with health is either an overreaction. When we look at the SARS-CoV-2 phenomenon, it was the over-response that occurs that leads to like the detrimental outcome uh, inside the hospitals and so forth. So the excessive hormones can be problematic, and that's what she mentioned when she talked about PCOS or polycystic ovary uh, syndrome, ovarian syndrome, and so forth. And we see the same thing. So when it pertains to men, I always kind of focus threefold, right? And I, I focus everything on sex for men. <laughs> Sleep, exercise, the X factors, and so we know we spoke about the benefits of sleep, truly in trying to decrease that cascade in the hormonal balance. Exercise is key. Study after study has shown really a powerful benefit of exercise in improving erectile function. And so there's extreme benefit in terms of exercise. Obviously, it improves the mood. Obviously, when we exercise outdoor, it is going to work towards improving our vitamin D uh, absorption. But when we look at food, one of the key things is that having fiber-rich food Fiber-rich foods are important because this is going to help really sequester and help extract out some of those sex hormones that are excessive inside of your system. We know it's benefit in general for things like cholesterol and clogging. So as we approach this from a food standpoint, I'm really looking at means in which it's going to help that endothelium, that lining of the vessel, but also help to augment the aspects of of the hormonal production. So we know that there is going to be an added benefit from the plant-rich foods for uh, for testosterone. And actually, many of the libido-boosting foods, you know, we look at things like pistachios or, or some of the spices like chili peppers and some of the, the avocados, the pomegranates, these are some of the things that, that have had some slight association with libido-boosting uh, effects there as well. I want to add, I'm so glad you brought up vitamin D because vitamin D deficiency and um, infertility are linked. And that's because when your vitamin D levels are low, that can cause low levels of testosterone or estrogen. People forget that, okay, vitamin D is also a hormone, but it's also a building block for hormones. So when we don't have adequate vitamin D, we actually can definitely affect our libido and also, as we know, when your vitamin D is low, not only is your immunity low, but then 
your mood is, is definitely affected. And I definitely had a lot of women um, in my practice with these hormonal issues have low vitamin D levels. So I don't know if anyone in the audience was thinking this, but, you know, I kind of expected, I don't know, a prescription of certain foods you can eat to, like, boost your libido. But it sounds like it's not that simple. It's really, like, good diet, good exercise, and also not, if you have a hormone imbalance, trying to figure out how to get those hormones back balanced. So there's no, like, magic food that you can eat that'll just totally erase your your libido problems or your your fertility or your sexual health problems. No, it's, it's, it's a whole package. It's absolutely a whole package. And so there is never, nutrition is core and, it's, and, and central towards, like, health. And that means mental health, that means physical health, and that means sexual health as well. And so, once again, I point to really the benefits of fiber um, in that from that avenue because it's going to impact really your hormonal balance. It's going to impact the the cholesterol, which potentially has the, the role of impacting the vascular um, health of your body too, as well. But these things are augmented by your sleep, right? When you have sleep, and, and then now you have that mental fortitude that you're actually able to sit there and deal with the stressors of life a bit more. And still addressing those those imbalances as, uh, equally, it becomes important in the exercise. And it's not really exercise, but just moving, right? We talk about exercise all the time and doing peloton or running marathons. It's really about staying active and moving. And most of us, we live very inactive lives, so we have to be very intentional in our efforts to have at least moments of activity. And because those moments of activity, they have they're all beneficial towards our overall health. So I just want to add too, like I ditto on the exercise and exercise can be a form of stress management, but I often really have to look at my client and figure out what types of stressors are in their lives and what we can do to manage that ongoing. I literally have some clients who have fibroids and we have identified that the reason why they have fibroids is they have this ongoing anxiety, perfectionism, pressure on them all the time, and they don't manage it well. So again, their cortisol levels are high all the time. They're always in fight or flight, and they're constantly creating the situation where their body's in balance, where their progesterone is being used to make more cortisol, therefore making them estrogen dominant, therefore helping their fibroids to grow. So if I don't stop, if I don't figure out how to get this person to chill out, <laughs> their body will naturally continuously do, you know, produce um, things that are not supposed to be there. So the stress management piece is huge. And then when it comes to like, no, there, there's never a magic pill. This is why, you know, I mean, my clients don't like me because I have to tell them the truth. Like there is no magic pill for anything, child. The whole thing is holistic. you got to do all the things, but definitely fruits and vegetables, polyphenols, all of the great, you know, like he was mentioning, Dr. Batiste was mentioning fiber. All of the things that we get from plant foods are going to be helpful. When it comes to people of color, eliminating dairy is going to be helpful because for most of us, that's inflammatory, especially dairy in the United States of America. Um, and so I think paying attention to eating enough fiber, getting, um, you know, getting, up, up, uh, fruits and vegetables in, reducing stress, having real serious rituals that help with stress management that are tailored to you are all really, really important as part of, um, a way to prevent 
imbalance hormonally or um, uh, problems with fertility? Thank you both. So with that, I want to take some questions from the audience before we jump into more conversation. So any questions from the audience? You can just raise your hand and we'll bring you up. Don't be shy. <laughs> <laughs> I see one from a Gigi, I think. Uh, I don't think she's raising her hand. Well, well, we'll just keep going, and if anyone decides that they have a question about something, feel free to raise your hand. Um, so just to reset. From, oh, sorry, Dirt. I see him. Is it? Am I? Maybe I'm looking at this wrong. I'm seeing uh, Alicia Cooper. Oh, well, bring, I don't see them. I don't know. My app might be glitching. If you can bring them up, bring them up. I'll try. Hi there. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Hi. Um, I wanted to bring up, because you mentioned birth control pills. Um, I've been trying to do research on it because I know that, you know, intaking hormones really affects your body physically. Um, so I just wanted to know more about how the hormones that you take with birth control pills every day really affect your so I'll just give you a narrative of my typical client with fibroids or endometriosis um, or actually many other things. But this is what happens to people. Um, you're going about your business. You're a teenager. You're having horrible cramps. And your mom's like, let's go to the doctor. So you guys go to the doctor and your doctor says, let's put you on birth control to get rid of these horrible cramps. So you go on it willingly and you're like, yay. It's going to get rid of my acne. It's going to get rid of these horrible pains that I'm having, which actually are signs that you are hormonally imbalanced already. Uh, but you get on it. And because birth control is basically shutting your actual cycle down and it's pummeling your body with hormones, it feels okay generally. I mean, you don't really notice anything wrong with your cycle, whatever. And then you hit 30. And what happens is you're like, oh, my God, I'm, I have this amazing partner. I really want to have a child. And you get off of birth control and you go in and you get a checkup and they say, I'm sorry, ma'am, you have a gang of fibroids. And you're like, wait, where? How? And all of a sudden you're having these crazy cycles and you're bleeding really heavy because now your real cycle is showing because you're off the pill and you realize, oh my goodness, my body is a mess and I'm, I'm, I'm imbalanced. And now I have to deal with this growth or this problem. I've also had this happen the, uh, in the, on the other spectrum um, because I have also had clients too who have PCOS and they have fibroids at the same time because PCOS is very complicated and, and depending on the person, it can come with different um, signs and symptoms. So really, the, I mean, the issue is we're talking about synthetic hormones here, synthetic versions of these hormones. And so you're pummeling your body with, this, with the strong amounts of hormones but what happens to the clients that I see a lot of times who end up with these issues is not only are they pummeling their body with synthetic hormones, they're eating McDonald's, they're eating processed food, or they're eating tons of meat and dairy, they're drinking milk every day, they're having ice cream. So they're getting hormonal inputs all around from their diet, and then they're getting the hormonal inputs from the birth control. And then they wake up one day with a problem and realize they have this new diagnosis and they can't figure out how it happened. I don't know if that really answers your question, but I'm trying to like break it down. Yeah, no, I know there's a lot of steps involved in there. Um, it 
kind of just shows, I think, that, you know, pumping your bodies with these synthetic hormones really do have a long-term effect. That's sort of the thing that I wanted to look into is what are some of those effects? And I think that you've outlined some of them here. So thank you. No problem. Okay, and then is it Micah? It's Mika. Mika. Yes, hi. Hi. Um, I have a question um, for Isosa around dairy. Um, because my husband and I, we've been, you know, trying for a while. And so, of course, you read, you know, you try to do your research on what are the foods that, you know, will be good for fertility and conception and all of that. Um, and dairy is always on the list. <laughs> so I started consuming a lot of dairy when actually I have been um, for years um, thinking that that was good. Karen, you say that dairy is, is actually potentially not necessarily that good for us um thank you so much for the question so it's generally recommended and this ties into like conversations that chasita and i have had in the past about the u.s dietary guidelines because the u.s dietary guidelines are racist and they really don't take into consideration the fact that there's a whole large segments of populations of color that are lactose intolerant, have trouble with dairy, that dairy becomes inflammatory for us. And so if you follow those dietary guidelines, and I've had a lot of clients um, of color who are following those dietary guidelines, and they're sick. They're very sick. They're not well. They have all kinds of problems. If you are trying to conceive and you are having um, trouble conceiving, you definitely want to look at, you know, what you can remove. And if you're still consuming dairy, I would get rid of it. Now, when I look at, I mean, I always pay attention to, you know, the anomalies, like the, you know, the people who might actually do well with it or whatever. Like sometimes I look at some of my, I've had some um, East African clients, because I know there's some places in East Africa where they consume dairy, but that are, that are actually doing okay. But again, they're actually not consuming dairy in the United States of America, right? The problem is here, we also have the way that things are actually factory farmed and the way these cattle are dealt with and all of that stuff is also not helpful. So I know I have heard people say, oh, I went to Iceland and I had, you know, yogurt and I didn't throw up and I didn't feel horrible. Um, and, but that's like, that has to do with the actual quality of the cow and the dairy that is produced. If you're here in the States and you're consuming dairy, I would get, and you're a person of color, I would get rid of it immediately and start to see what, you know, how you feel. Um, and if I may really quickly, so in the States, is there any um, guideline when it comes to consuming the right types of dairy? Or when you say that it's just... Stay away from all of it. Run, child, run. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if you want to check out that article that Isosa referred to, it's about, it's, um, I think I have connected in my bio, my Instagram, and the link in my Instagram bio goes to my journalism. There's an article I wrote about the 2021 to 2025 U.S. dietary guidelines. Um, and Isosa was one of the nutritionists of color that I, interviewed about that story and we kind of looked at the u.s dietary guidelines and who they actually work for and who they're made for and what research they take into consideration when they come up with these guidelines and they actually don't 
really look at the diets of people of color, like at all. So the, the dietary guidelines are really based on more European standards. Um, so let's go next to Sharice. Hi, thank you for having me on stage. Um, my question is more based around fibroids. I'm 32, I've never been on birth control, and I've been plant-based for seven years. Um, I have been under stress, though, for the past five years. <laughs> so my question is, I'm not looking to have children anytime soon, but that's something I want to do in the future. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know what I could do um, to kind of shrink the fibroids. Luckily, they haven't grown. I was diagnosed like two years ago with them. But I don't want to get surgery. And that was the only thing that was recommended to me. I'd rather do something um, that's a little bit more um, less invasive, I guess you could say. Hi, Sharice. Yeah, um, so that's interesting. It sounds as though if you're plant-based, you haven't been on birth control, and you have fibroids, your stress seems to be the, the thing that's driving it for you. So for you, you definitely would need to figure out what is going on stress-wise and deal with it. Um, we, in my practice, I have a hormonal balancing academy that takes women through a six, it's a six month program. And we work with women with all of these conditions. So if you need someone to actually assess you and walk you through the process, we're here for you. Um, there are a bunch of natural therapies that can be very, very effective and helpful when it comes to reducing fibroid size. Since you're already plant-based, it might be very interesting to check out your diet and see whether or not there's a lot of processed foods or not, or what's going on. Um, but when it comes to actually reducing fibroid size, there's so many holistic therapies we recommend, and it really depends on the person. But things like acupuncture, things like castor oil packs, um, all of, there's, there's essential, we sometimes we use essential oils. Uh, there's different things that we do depending on the person. Um, but you need to get a holistic plan to reduce your stress. Do you have any, do you have any gut issues like problems with digesting food? I don't. Um, I was wondering if it's hereditary because my dad said that most of his sisters and like a lot of my uh, cousins who are women have also had fibroids, but they don't, I know that they don't eat like I do. I'm the only one in my whole family who's plant-based. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's been something I've been trying to figure out. I am in therapy, so I'm like going through to figure out, you know, past traumas and stressors. Yes. And I normally like hike. I have a very active lifestyle, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, so, I mean, you could definitely feel free to sign up and chat with us if you want someone to, um, you know, walk with you through the whole entire process. But it sounds like your stress is a big thing. Yes, there are natural therapies that actually help women to reduce their fibroid size. Um, I wouldn't say that it was genetic. I do have a lot of clients who have, um, you know, it's like their auntie, their grandma, their mama, all had, all had, you know, the same thing, all had fibroids or all had whatever. But if you look at their diets, like you said, you notice that all of those other people also have a certain type of diet. But the thing is that when you're very sensitive to stress, like some women actually, not just women, men and women, if you're very, if you're an empath or you're very sensitive to stress, I mean, I am, you can internalize and create all kinds of disease. This is why I always say like, 
doesn't matter if your diet is completely perfect. You can create a health condition just by being stressed out and just by be by not being processing your stress in a healthy way. Thank you so much. I'm definitely a very sensitive person and empathetic. And uh, it's definitely something to consider. So I really appreciate all of your feedback and advice. I'll definitely try to message you. Awesome. Thank you. I just want to put a plug in for Sosa, and she definitely will help to optimize your nutrition because that's one of the things that oftentimes I see, and uh, not necessarily that you meant it this way, but a lot of times we use labels of, of vegan or plant-based and, and instead really looking at the quality of foods that we're eating and being very intentional and moving away from just eating just based off of our desires or culture or even as far as our, our wants in that moment to, to being very intentional towards groups that are going to help transform and rectify some of the conditions that we're experiencing. And there may be some benefit by doing that. Thank you guys. And thank you for Sharice for your question. Um, and next let's go to Dr. McConner and then we'll open, we'll start the discussion again. So Dr. McConner, Good afternoon, everyone. I have a quick question, hopefully. Um, I was uh, curious. I, I totally agree with the um, the dairy with definitely being inflammatory and um, mucus producing. I'm curious about blood type diet. Mm -hmm. I'm a B positive, and I've looked, and there's some people that really, really believe in that blood type diet, and maybe it works for them. Um, but I'm, I tend to not eat um, beef. I've never really been a fan of it. And uh, that beef positive blood type is like I'm supposed to eat more red meats and things of that of that nature. Um, I, I don't have diverticulitis. I have diverticulosis. Mm. And I'm just wondering, does, has, you know, is that having any relationship? Or tell me, what do you think about blood type diet? Thank you. So um, I teach this course called Staying Ageless 30 Plus, where we go we go over different um, body types um, that really help my clients really understand themselves. And I briefly touch on the blood type very briefly because I really don't, I believe that you can, there's, there's many of these diets out there that can be, like you can get some useful information, generally speaking, but the blood type diet is not one that I would follow directly. My blood, like my blood type, I'm type A. So I actually like eat according, I guess, to my blood type, but I use other diagnostic tools that I find way more powerful and way more accurate more of the time to help me figure out. The only thing that I use blood type diets for is if someone is a type O, I might say, okay, Maybe you don't feel as you, maybe you are the only person that I might consider saying, maybe you won't do so well on a completely plant-based diet. Really all the other blood types have no other, um, have no other, um, excuse. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, it's not something that I find very helpful in, in achieving certain health outcomes at all, but I do look at it when someone is type O. Yeah, and just adding to that, from my practice, uh, which is obviously primarily based in cardiovascular disease, so as I've looked and scoured through the literature, I have not seen a preponderance of, of data or literature to really kind of support a blood type in full. And so 
you know, obviously we know that not everything is going to be documented and researched, but I have not seen that. But what I have seen is I've seen that uh, extensive data as it pertains to animal products and looking at trends upon hundreds of thousands of people and looking at, at outcomes. And so that's what's led my recommendations of where I, I point individuals to, depending upon the question that's being asked, which may be, hey, how do I eliminate chronic disease? How do I restrict my weight while perhaps trying to get the best help that I can? Well, I focus at that point on the foods that have been shown to be the most beneficial. And so one of the things we know, and I think it's wonderful that you're not on the red meat, because red meat, I would probably say, amongst all of them, is the one that has been one that's been vilified the most in terms of for cancer risk as well as cardiovascular events. And so red meat's not just meat, but it's also lamb and it's pork and so forth. But one of the interesting things is that the the chicken and the turkey and the fish, they still increase your inflammatory markers significantly. Um, and and these inflammatory markers that have been associated with increased cardiovascular events. And so even when we look at for men, there was a recent study that was done looking at individuals who have a consumption of animal products and their risk of erectile dysfunction. And we know that as folks move away from it, increasing the, the fiber-rich foods or plant, uh, whole food, plant-based foods, that they are going to have more uh, beneficial outcomes as it relates to their sexual health uh, performance, but also in terms of their cardiovascular health. Can, can I ask, what about um, women's erectile dysfunction issues? Mm. You know, I haven't had anyone um, talk to me about that, <laughs> to be honest. I'm just, you know, just, uh, you know, I, well, the clitoris is the reptile tissue, just like the penis. And then we have the bulb of the vestibule as well. And, you know, we can suffer from, you know, erectile dysfunction just as well as men. So just wondering. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, so I, I haven't, I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with that research. I think, and perhaps maybe that's in part because, um, the ability to perform sex, uh, the sexual act from a male standpoint, is really dependent upon that interplay that will lead to the increased trigger of the penis, uh, which is a vascular phenomenon. It's neuro, neuro, neurogenic and, and vascular phenomenon that's there. And so without that, or an impedance of that, means it's not really possible without other um, pharmacologic interventions, uh, nutritional interventions, or mechanical interventions. That's a great question. I will look at that. I, yes, I was wondering because we always seem to concentrate on men having erectile dysfunction, but women have hypertension just like men do. And if we they, they involve taking anti um, hypertensive drugs, it causes, you know, because you have to have this erectile tissue has to get engorged with blood, you know, just like the penis. And I understand you're saying having intercourse, you need, you know, the penis needs to be erect and it needs to have, the, like you said, the neurological as well as the vascular. Because, you know, to uh, get the penis and go into blood for becoming red. But women, you know, I just wonder if we kind of concentrate on the men with that. Thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, so to dive back into the broader conversation, um, we kind of we kind of started talking about this. We talked about hormones a lot. Um, so... One of the things that Isosa and I had talked about last night was when we see things happening with our hair, and you kind of mentioned it at the beginning, but like women having hair loss, men having hair loss, and how that's all connected to this conversation that we're having. 
Yes, such a big thing. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, I usually, I know it simplifies things, but I usually just group things into, okay, this person is more on the androgen dominant side or they're more on the estrogen dominant side. So I'll explain how hair loss can be involved in both. So on the estrogen dominant side, um, if I have a woman who has been on birth control for a really long period of time, let's say, actually I had someone this week who was on the copper ring or the copper um, um, IUD. And when you're on that in particular birth control, copper and zinc balance each other out. So when you're on that for many, many years, your zinc gets depleted. And zinc is not only needed for immunity, it's also needed for your hair growth. So I've had people be on birth control for long periods of time. And usually, sometimes it can take up to 10 years or something. And then they realize, oh my goodness, my hair is, has stopped growing. And they can't figure out why. They try hair vitamins, they try different things, nothing's working. And sometimes it's also looking at the specific birth control they were taking or specific medications they were taking that were depleting certain nutrients and trying to replenish those nutrients. But it's a process because you've basically pummeled your body with hormones over this time and you've depleted these nutrients over a period of time. And now you have to undo what you did. And then on the other side of the spectrum with the androgen dominance thing, I have a lot of clients really struggling with male pattern bald, baldness or hair loss. And they don't even realize that it's connected to their hormones. They have no idea. They're just like, oh my God, my hair is falling out. And it's usually falling out in the middle of their head. Some, some, I do have some clients who have, you know, um, hair loss in other areas, but a lot of times you'll notice, they'll notice that it's, it's kind of in the center of their head. And I, my hairdresser is a trichologist. So we actually started tag teaming on these things and she would send people to me because she was like, you know, I can work on you from a, you know, topical perspective, but you need to talk to a associate so she can get your nutrition together because your nutrition is a hot mess. And so what has to happen and on that front is that I have to not only deal with their diet and improve their nutrition, but I have to, again, balance their hormones in order for their hair to start growing back. And once their hormones start being balanced, they'll start to notice, oh my God, I'm getting peach fuzz coming in. And sometimes we do it in tandem with a trichologist or somebody who can help give them topical natural things to also stimulate the hair growth. But it happens, it, yeah, it goes, it happens on either spectrum. And then when it comes to um, when it comes to men, like a lot of times when you see people with that adrenal body type, like I mentioned earlier, where it's like, okay, this person has kind of a belly and they're balding, uh, and they have a lot of fat around their, you know, um, around their major organs to protect them. Their adrenals are usually burnt out from stress and processing stress, not in a great way, which um, Dr. Patisse was talking about earlier. Um, and that is also affecting their hair as well. I know there's other things when it comes to men. There's like there's other things that I'm not aware of um, when it comes to the hair loss piece. But when I look at it, I look at their body type. I look at their adrenals. And then I, I look at what do I need to do to get that person back they're back in balance from the adrenal perspective. Dr. Batiste, did you want to add anything? Yeah, no, very thorough. I mean, the one thing that I noticed in my clinic, and it's not my area, my main focus is I've noticed a correlation with um, same as, as associated in terms of stress and that just appearance of the excessive cortisol 
which also leads to a great deal of these individuals having insulin resistance. And so, or I should say, we noticed they had the insulin resistance. So there was actually a study, and I'm not sure what you know, where they looked at people with, with the pattern of baldness, and, they, and what they found was a, a markedly increased level of increased uh, insulin resistance in that time. And so why that's important nutritionally is that study, studies are beginning to reveal it's not just the sugar that you're eating. It's not that. It's really this concept of intramyocellular fat that, that happens. And so from the, the heavy saturated fat, which comes from animal products, I really think of it as clogging up the insulin receptors, preventing the insulin from working effectively, and leads to this idea of insulin resistance. And so try to diminish that, that the, the fat inside one's diet, um, along with obviously addressing the issues of overall health through fiber and decreasing the excessive uh, sex hormones that perhaps there is. And I'm not saying that by transitioning this, I'm going to grow a full head of hair and I'm going to have dreadlocks down, down my back <laughs> or anything of that sort. But we know it's a marker. It's a marker. And that's one of the key things is looking at the things that transpire. Yes, it may be genetic. Yes, there's other components. But sometimes it's a marker of a greater issue that's occurring inside your body that we have to draw attention to so we can address before there's greater harm caused. I just want to add to that. That was so good. Um, I'm so glad you brought up insulin because women with PCOS and who tend to also have really a lot of trouble um, um, giving birth when they want to give birth or getting pregnant, um, getting pregnant is really an issue for them. They PCOS usually comes with insulin resistance. And same as I was mentioning how, like, if someone is estrogen dominant, I have to get them to stop drinking alcohol, stop taking refined sugars. So Paying attention to balancing, like not consuming excessive refined sugar is a really great way, not only to age slowly, but to also keep your hormones in check and keep yourself balanced because in either side of, of imbalance, excessive sugar will do you harm. Um, I'm glad you, you talked about if you're wanting to conceive, and this is not just for if you're wanting to conceive, but we, when we were talking last night, you said something that I thought was really interesting, and you said at the moment where, say you're having sex, and at the moment where a sperm needs an egg, that sperm and that egg is a snapshot of your body at that moment. So that was kind of a really cool example, in my opinion, of when you're talking about sexual health and how to have the optimal sexual health, how you want to think of it in terms of what you're putting into your body at that time, like that's a snapshot of your body. So I don't know if either one of you want to talk more about that, about diet and lifestyle and when you're wanting just to have the, the optimal sexual health, whether you want to conceive or not. Yeah. Like when we were having that conversation, it was like, I guess I was, what I was, trying to express too is just that like I feel like people are just like oops I just had a kid <laughs> and they don't take enough time to prepare because it's like hey the condition of the the, the condition of your partner's body either partner's body at the moment they conceive matters and that's going to affect that child um so it, I think just preparing by being the best version of you each person so preparing by having a great diet, paying attention to supplementation, paying attention to stress management, all of those things are going to really lead to being able to conceive when you want to conceive and then also conceiving um, with the best chances of bringing in a super healthy child. Less so from 
a standpoint of, of actually conceiving, but in terms of the impact of, of basically the, 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 the foundation for the child's health. So one of the things that we know is that all of our actions will really play a role in the future of our unborn child. So even the, the foods that the mom is eating, so the meat products, the stress, all these things can get can get transferred over to your child and from through the process of epigenetics can really transform the DNA and lead it lead to risk of obesity, lead to a risk of, of events in the future. And so there are studies that are are making that correlation there. So taking the stance that right now I'm investing, it's just like, you know, if we're, I'm thinking about, someone mentioned they think about having kids in the future, now's the time to get your body right, if it's not already right, in terms of optimizing as much as possible. When I speak to patients, I speak to them about investing in their health future. Attention, superfood lovers. You all may know by now that my favorite African superfood of all time is Moringa. Why? Moringa has 92 nutrients and 46 antioxidants, and every part of the amazing plant can be used. I personally use Moringa oil on my face twice a day, and then I also use Moringa powder to add to my smoothies, make Moringa bread, or sprinkle on meals for added nutrition from an amazing company called True Moringa. Founded in 2013, True Moringa is creating jobs and community with their amazing skincare and wellness products. The coolest part? Every time you make a purchase from True Moringa, they plant a tree in your name. Yes, child, to date they have planted over 2 million Moringa trees to combat deforestation and malnutrition in Ghana. To check out their awesome products, visit TrueMoringa.com and use the code RAWGIRL at checkout for 10% off and free shipping over $20. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of TheRawGirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. All right, all right. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please feel free to follow me on Clubhouse at The Raw Girl for future health conversations. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at The Raw Girl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. Or to watch the past episodes on video, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash the raw girl.